never miss another show. Stream us live or listen to past podcasts 24-7 at LBSportsNetwork.com. This is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, KRLV Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels talked with the media earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Coming up around 3.30, you'll hear some of the sound bites from him. Uh, also, quarterback Derek Carr just met with the media. We'll hear some sounds from him. Plus, Vinny Bonsignor sent us over plenty of sound from the Raiders locker room, so we got plenty to get to as far as the silver black concern. But right now, we're going to turn our attention to UNLV. And to do that, we have our good friend who joins us each and every week. That's Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. And Paloma, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. First is first. First question is first. Are you headed to South Bend? Oh, I'm packing up. I'm packing up right now, actually. We leave tomorrow. We're getting out there a little early just because, you know, they're on East Coast time zone and, you know, it's 40 degrees there. <laughs> so we got to get used to the different weather and everything. But it's my it's my first time out there. So um, never been by Chicago, never been that north. So I'm excited. I'm excited. But, um, you know, you know, we've got a big game on Saturday and, Man, the one thing about this UNLV football team right now is that they are banged up. Mm -hmm. They are injured left and right. I was at practice this morning, and, you know, guys who aren't practicing, they're in the gym, they're they're getting worked on, you know, they're kind of on the sideline, you know, getting worked on. And when I walked through the facility, I must have seen, like, 10, 15 guys Mm. getting worked on. I'm like, man, you know, of all weeks, Notre Dame this right. Saturday on the road. I'm just like I, I just I feel bad for the Rebels. They are they're injured and a lot of starters are out for this game. So um, you know, excited to go to 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 South Bend. Excited to go to Notre Dame. But I wish UNLV was a little bit healthier heading into this matchup. Yeah, no doubt about it. And one of the guys, one of their main guys, and I know that you can't rush a, rush a concussion is uh, the quarterback Doug Brumfield. To me, Paloma, it's almost like this team goes as Brumfield goes. Yeah, he's a huge missing part, and we've just seen that. You know, Coach Royo explained to us because Cam Friel and Harrison Bailey, they just seem they seem so far behind him in terms of, like, execution, you know, you know, confidence, um, poise. Just, just, they, they seem just a step behind Brumfield. And Coach Royo explained to us, you know, Brumfield has been their guy since the winter, since, spring you know he's gotten 80 percent of the snaps you know 80 percent of everything has gone to Doug Brumfield and you know they he's been their guy for so long that now you have a week not even a week you know you have a few practices to get you know Cam Friel and Harrison Bailey up to speed and um you know I think we've seen that in the past two games and of course you put the backups in you know and they they should be ready to go they should you know jump in the fire but um, when your starting quarterback goes out, you know, it's tough to replace a guy who's been getting, you know, almost 100% of the snaps. So, um, yeah, I mean, Doug Brumfield, he's been at practice, you know, not not suited up or anything, but he's been at practice. He has, you know, papers in his hand. Like, you know, he's, he's in it. He's in practice. He's present. He's, you know, there, you know, kind of just walking through everything with the team right now. Um, 
but he is not he is not going to be quarterback this Saturday in, in, in when South they need Bend. him <laughs> right yeah. when when they need him the most again we're talking with Paloma Villacana from Fox Five Sports about another guy that they really need uh, a lot is Aiden Robbins the the running back uh, what do you think about him I know he's nursing a few injuries himself. Yeah, he's day-to-day with a right knee injury. It's so funny because, you know, when these guys get hurt, I just, I feel like they have, they still have such a, a strong attitude. You know, they're hurt, they're banged up, they're in braces and everything, but he's still been at practice. He's still been, you know, standing out there for two hours, you know, watching practice and everything. So it doesn't seem like a season-ending injury or anything ser- anything too serious. If he's able to be out there standing out at practice for two hours and kind of walk through with the team, then, um, you know, I'm hopeful they get him back soon. But um, he told me he has family coming to the Notre Dame game because he's from Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So his family is driving up for the game. Um, But that's just another, you know, key player, key starter on offense that they'll be without. And um, Aiden Robbins got knocked out of the game early on Saturday against Air Force. So, you know, as far as running the ball with your your starting running back and, you know, the the weapon he is, he's a big back, 6'3", 230, He's a big back, so for him to not be out there, too, is is another loss for the Rebels. I know that the team is looking forward to Notre Dame, but i got to take it back to this past weekend. Air Force, is for Coach Arroyo, is this a game where there's some things that he can look at the tape and try to improve on, or is it just burn the film because, hey, there's nothing that we can learn from uh, the beating that Air Force put on UNLV? Yeah, I talked to Coach Arroyo about just how unique Air Force is with their triple option offense. You know, you only see that with Navy, Army, and Air Force, the triple option offense. So what he says what's challenging about Air Force is you completely have to change your scheme for the Falcons, for the triple option that they run. So it's almost like you're, you're right in the middle of the season and it's like, all right, throw everything out because now we have to get ready for a completely different scheme um, trying to, to shut down Air Force. And, and, and that offense that they run, they've, they've done that for years. You know, they have that culture built. For years, you know, their their players have been with each other for a long time. Again, there are no transfers, you know, with Air Force and, and, and the military. You can't transfer into those programs. So Air Force, Navy, Army, those are all just teams that you have to circle and completely prepare differently for. So to me, I see it as completely change everything you've been doing, you know, your day-to-day preparation to, to prepare for a triple option offense. But I almost asked Coach Royal, you know, are you glad Air Force, you know, is just it's just over with in the rearview mirror? And he says Air Force is just always a unique team that we're going to have to prepare for, completely different, you know, than any other team we're facing. So, yeah, I'm glad that's that's behind him is, is what he told me. I'm glad they're they're behind us, but you know, now we face, you know, Air Force has, you know, UNLV has faced Air Force twice now, so. Um, you got to figure out how to shut them down. You got to figure out how to shut down Brad Roberts. And like I said, they were banged up on defense too. They had a lot of starters out on defense on Saturday night, so that definitely paid a tribute to to the final score. And now going forward to Notre Dame, I know that hey, the school's getting paid to go there. It's going to be a big payday for the athletic department and UNLV. They're pretty banged up. They're not favored to even be close in this game. But for Coach Arroyo, what is his expectations for this team going into Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, anything I've asked Coach Royo about this game or, you know, taking his program up to Notre Dame, you know, the history and, and everything, um, you know, he has just said that it's, it's, it's just a really big opportunity for, for his program to, to go up there 
Um, but that they're treating it like any other game, really. They're treating it like any other game. He said, okay, we might be in a, a stadium that hosts 80,000. We might be going up against a, a big program like Notre Dame, but he doesn't want his players getting too high about this game or, you know, getting the oohs and ahs out of the way. Um, in fact, anything I've asked him about Notre Dame, he's, he's kind of just shut me down and been like, you know, this is not a trip. This is not a vacation. This is not like a, ooh, ah, we're going to Notre Dame. You know, he wants his team to be locked in and focused and just treat it like any other game. But for the players, you know, they said, wow, what an opportunity to go up to Indiana. I never thought I'd have this opportunity to go up to Indiana um, and to, to showcase their talent on a national spotlight, you know, against a Notre Dame team. That's a pretty special moment if, if I was a player out there for sure. How do you think that, you know, the players, once they hit the field, how they'll go out there and react? Again, I mean, no one expects them to go out there and win, but, I mean, you know, when you step on that field, it's just different, right? I mean, there's certain places that it just feels different. How do you think they'll they'll react, especially early on? Well, I think it's so special. I mean, I think that's why we all love football, you know, mm -hmm. that moment when you take the field and you look around and you look at the stadium and, you know, you see the crowd and it's, it's going to be Notre Dame's homecoming, so hopefully mm. it's, a packed, it's a packed crowd, but... Um, you know, I've never been up there, so I'm I'm excited to see that, and I'm sure the players are are excited to see that too. But it's more of an opportunity for the players to show the world what they got, what kind of talent they got. And um, Notre Dame is three and three, and to, to me, honestly, I mean, on both sides of the ball, they haven't been playing very well uh, this season. They barely beat Stanford. They lost to Ohio State. They lost to Marshall. So. Um, you know, it's not the dominating fighting Irish team we saw last year that finished 11 and 2. So, um, we'll see. We'll see on Saturday. <laughs> I just wish, like, all throughout practice, I'm like, man, there are so many guys out right now on, on both sides of the ball for UNLV. So, um, I just wish they were a little bit healthier, um, you know, heading up to Notre Dame. You said that for Coach Arroyo and the team that this isn't a vacation, but for you, are you going to see the sights? Are there any places in Notre Dame that you're like, hey, I got to check this out for the history? Yeah, so we um, we are heading out there a little bit early on Thursday. So I'm hoping I can at least go go out to the school and see see the history and everything. Um, I heard the, the campus is beautiful. Um, it's not supposed to be too cold when we're out there, so – Hopefully I can I can go out early and, and get a, a little tour of the campus. The team is practicing Friday, but they're not practicing at Notre Dame on Friday. Um, they're just practicing at a, at a local high school. Um, but I hope so. I hope so. I, I know for me personally, as, as a sports reporter, I really like to take in everywhere we mm -hmm. go on the road because um, a lot of my a lot of times it's the first time I've been there. So um, you know I always try to take it in and, and take some pictures, but. Sometimes I'm so busy working, man, I'm like, I didn't even take one picture out there. So, you know, sometimes it'll be like the national championship. And I'm like, man, I have like one picture of the field. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know for the red zone, I always try to do a good job of like, you know, shooting a lot of the campus, shooting a lot of the stadium, shooting a lot of behind the scenes of the players, you know, getting on and off the buses, the equipment, setting up. 
Um, that's that's the angle I try to show, you know, just fans and viewers who aren't going to the game, you know, what the trip was like for UNLV. There you go. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, really, I wanted to make sure that you were going because I knew that you would have a great time and soak it in. <laughs> and anytime, you know, in the job that I've done, any, ch- any chance that I've gotten to go somewhere where I normally wouldn't go, it's been fantastic. So definitely soak that in. Take your pictures, Paloma. Take your pictures <laughs> and and have a good time. What, uh, Thank what, you. What do you got coming up on the Reb Zone uh, when you get back yeah so we're sitting down with uh one of the receivers from unlv seneca mckee number zero you you guys have probably seen him flash this season just because the the wide receivers have been banked up this season but um he's a transfer from erskine college in south carolina and one thing i've i've learned about this unlv football team is that coach arroyo has a lot of transfers uh from north carolina south carolina georgia Tennessee. So, um, you know, something we don't see all the time is these East Coast Southern football players now transferring West, moving out to UNLV. Um, so that's really exciting to see that there's, you know, some Southern boys on, on this <laughs> UNLV football team. So I'm sitting down with him and, and getting to know a little bit more about his story. But I'm also sitting down with Daniel Gutierrez, the, the kicker, who's, you know, one of the best kickers in, in the country right now. Um, and, and really cool, just want to put this nugget in that he's actually really um, well known for painting. He paints all these different really? um, cartoons and everything. And he tells me that he will stay late at night at the Fertitta Football Complex until 1030 at night painting. So um, I don't know if you want to be an accurate kicker and, and make every single field goal. Uh, I guess painting should be put into your, your, your preparation. But he tells me that, you know painting has helped him kind of relax and focus and kind of just get into to his his groove of you know the football day to day so another cool feature with with Daniel Gutierrez their their kicker who's who's actually the only player that has been there for six years now. So he's like the oldest guy on the football team, and um, he's got a lot of stories to tell about UNLV. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. No well, tissue. <laughs> <laughs> that should be uh, a lot of fun, good uh, good yeah. stuff that you got coming up on the Reb Zone. Well, Paloma, enjoy your trip. Thanks so much for Thank the insight. You. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Q. See you guys. All right. See you. There she goes. Paloma Villacana. That's going to be a fun trip right there. Again, half the building is going, and DeMond's the one that's not. The one that wants to go the most is the guy who's not going to go. I mean, if you want to spring for me, you get me on a red eye for flat. Oh, yeah. Hey, no problem, DeMond. Let me just go ahead and flip the bill for you. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Then if you can also hook it up with a couple of tickets, I guess. Anything else? Should I get you some tickets? Should I get you a a, a five-star room? Yeah, you know, because rooms are going to be booked up, so you you can swing that, too. Anything else? A car service? I don't want you to have to drive. Should I have a car? You got the ESPN connection. Could you hook me up with the Golics? I mean, maybe. 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 You know, just, I ain't asking too much. I mean, you know, maybe you and Tim Brown can sit next to each other and... Man! You know? I I could do the coin flip, maybe. There there you go. Now we're on to something. Now you're cooking with grease. My mom's going to do the coin toss at Notre Dame and UNLV courtesy of me. Somehow I'm going to make that happen. 3.15 is the time. Come back. Got a subject that I want to throw out there to you. Plus, you'll hear some Coach McDaniel sound bites. You'll also hear from some players in the Raiders locker room. Vinny sent us over Josh Jacobs, Trayvon Merrick. Also sent us over Mad Max Crosby. So we got a lot coming up on the show. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a text from Zeke in Bakersfield said, uh, Q, your interview story had me crying, man. I need to interview you and say that you're schoolboy Q instead of your boy Q. There you go. Zeke in Bakersfield. Vegas Pete hit us up on the text line at 69187, keyword R&R. 
talk about the Laker Warrior game. He said that was hard to watch last night. And it was. It really was because, look, I want LeBron and company to do well. Now, I don't want them to beat the Warriors, you know, and, and go and hoist a championship when the Warriors have an opportunity to. But I want them to do well. I say it all the time. Mama Q's a big Laker fan. I want her to be happy, right? That's the least that I could do is want her to be happy. But whatever they put out there last night on the court, if that's what's going to be consistent for the next 81 games, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. I don't know why they don't just let Russ go because, man, that's they're never going to figure that dynamic out. I hate that for him. I like Russ. I like Russ a lot, but whatever they're doing with him or they're not doing with him is not working. He's the one player in all professional sports when people talk about the analytics and they don't back up that he's not a good player. I'm like, yeah. what are those numbers going to tell you about heart? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can't measure heart. Got a text from Sir Whiskey Ray talking about analytics now that you mentioned that. This guy, Seth, is fantastic. I'd love to have him on my team. Sincerely, Billy Bean, Moneyball, and Brad Pitt. Again, Sir Whiskey Ray right there. And earlier today in the show, if you're just tuning in, Seth Walder from ESPN joined us. Matter of fact, to start things off around 210, uh, talking all things analytics. And I'm, I don't subscribe to analytics. I really don't. I kind of subscribe to the old eyeball test. And, uh, you know, the way that it got done, it always got done without the use of analytics. But I know it's, it's, it's heavy in sports, not just football, sports in general. And so I respect that. But... I just don't deep dive into it. And so I thought that that was a really good conversation we had with Seth at 210. And then at, uh, Landry Locker joined the show from Sports Radio 610 in Houston at 230 to give us a preview of the Houston Texans as they're coming to town. And, you know, we didn't get to go in like deep dive into the conversation we had with Landry. But, man, it sounded like the team that was coming to town stinks. You know what, you know what gave me a little like hesitancy, though? I was like getting a little scared. That's the same way they were talking about the Cardinals. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. That's a good point. That's, that's what a, I was thinking when he yeah. was talking like, oh, what does this team do bad? Oh, they can't stop him. They can't stop right. the run to save their life. Oh, man, the front seven is terrible. They'll be able to take a, take advantage of him in the slot, and the linebackers right. are slow, can't cover. And it was just like, yeah, I heard that one before. Right. No, that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, when I asked him, what do they do really well? And he said, run the ball. And I thought, and he hesitated, right? Well, I thought about the Raiders, and I said, and I thought to myself, I know that the Raiders have a lot of weapons, and we talk about they're very talented, but what do they do really well? They run the ball. What else do they do really well? They run the ball. What else do they do really well? Oh, well, they run the ball, right? I mean, that's what they do really well right now. Everything else is still a work in progress. So I thought, yeah, you know, I mean, this is, again, a game I, I very much believe the Raiders should win. No doubt. I do. I have people in the hallway asking me, hey, uh, Raiders going to win this week, right? I'm like, I think so. But right now, it's I think so until we're – proven otherwise until we see a team that goes out there and dominates these are the games when you look at the schedule these are the games where you should be able to go through and say okay this is a w what do we always say win the games you're supposed to win and then the 50 50 games you have a you have an opportunity at this is one of those on the schedule you're supposed to win the jaguars are a game you're supposed to win anything could happen no doubt but they haven't proven that the games they're supposed to win they can win because again going back to your point the cardinals was a game they were supposed to win yeah, exactly. About the the schedule game that we all play, and I know it's got to be one game at a time. Right. But these are the teams. These are the yeah. games that, like you said, everybody when, who's on the show always says, "I think the Raiders are going to win six in a row." That's what Landry said. I wouldn't be surprised they go four out of six, or they win, you know, six out of eight. Everyone says it. And you mentioned getting the win. I'm not saying I know that every win is hard to come by. This team is one in four, but I don't believe in momentum. But just feeling good after a win, <laughs> I think I think that you know for a team, if you go in there and you beat the Texans by a game-winning field goal, of course, hey, it's a win in the record book. But this is a game. I'm not saying dominate, but they should at least cover the spread. This should be at least a touchdown victory for the Raiders. You know what I mean? Just yeah. that mindset of leaving the game was, hey, we barely got out of there by the. 
you know, by you know, right? If you have a walk off, if you have to have a walk off, that's a problem, right? Yes, that should still be a problem for this Raiders team. This should be a game. You go out there, you punch them in the mouth. There's no doubt about it, and you leave feeling like, hey, man, you get that. I will say it now, you do have that momentum, that feeling goodness about yourself of, hey, man, the next game, we feeling good. The right. next game after that, where you have that belief in yourself that we can win those six games in a row that people in the media right. are saying that the team has the possibility to do. And look, let's put it like this, man. The Texans don't have Russell Wilson. And I know he's not playing lights out, but he's a lot better than Davis Mills, right? Mm-hmm. And you heard Landry say that Davis Mills has been awful. He's taken a step back. Right, so I mean, all the good conversation that we heard about Davis Mills a year a year ago, you could throw it out the door. He's not playing that way. So when Denver kind of hangs around like they did at Allegiant Stadium, you know, when the Raiders got their only victory of the season, and oh by the way, Denver has a really good defense. When they hung around, it's like okay, it's Russell Wilson. Okay, I get it. But you're right. In this game against the the Texans, they should dominate it. I'm not saying they're going to. I would love for them to. I would love to be sitting in the press box in the fourth quarter, like, yep. Can't wait to talk to so-and-so in the locker room about how great of it was to get a win coming out the bye. Like, that's what I want to do. I hope that I'm not sitting on the edge of my seat like, oh, man, I can only imagine. Because this is what goes through my mind. And I know it's not about me. I'm not trying to be selfish. But I'm just telling you what goes on through my mind. When the Raiders lose a game like that Cardinals game, it went from, oh, man, it's going to be a great locker room atmosphere. Coach is going to be fired up. Everyone's going to have good, you know, there'll be a lot of good conversation. To all of a sudden, it was like I was in a morgue. Right. And I knew it as soon as, you know, the clock stroke struck zero and they lost that game. As soon as you saw that run, that return, them cross the the goal line, get that touchdown. And then they went and reviewed it. And sure enough, it was a touchdown. I already knew. I immediately I started thinking, well, locker room's going to suck. Right. Because everyone's going to be upset and they should be right. They should be upset. I, I don't blame them. And then I thought, well, radio show is going to suck. <laughs> right. Because fans are going to be mad. And you know what? Fans should be mad. They should be. I'll never begrudge a fan for being mad. Now, I, I, I begrudge a fan for being mad at us. I, don't, I, I take that personal, but I don't blame fans for being upset, right? You're up 20 nothing at halftime, and I'm not trying to rehash and go all the way back, but, I mean, yeah, fans are celebrating, having a good time. Nelly's performance getting hot in here. Everything's going right, and then all of a sudden, it goes from sugar to blank, right? Real quick. The penthouse to the outhouse. It's not good. So, yeah, I, I get it. But that's kind of what, you know, what goes through my mindset is like, oh, well, here we go. What's going to be, you know, the answer? What's the, what's the mood going to be like now with the players? Because, again, these guys all want to win. They're not here for moral victories or we'll get them next time, right? They want to win. That's what it's about. It's about winning. So I throw out the question to you, Raider Nation. Always have a show topic, and because we got into Fast and Furious and got a bunch of guests going on it's immediately when the show started, we don't have another guest till 4.30. So we got plenty of time for you to chime in, 702-365-9200, also 69187, keyword r Final 12 games. You know that they got 12 at least. Anything else they, they earn, that's, that's on them. That's gravy. You know they've got fi- uh, they got at least 12 games. What would you consider a successful season with these final 12 games. What do the Raiders need to do in these final 12 games for you to consider this season a success? If you want to use the P word and say that it's, it's, it's make it to the, to the playoffs, fine. That's your call. I just want to know what you're looking for this Raider team to do in the next 12 games to make you feel like, okay, that was a successful season. Hit us up and let us know. 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. We'll start things off with Raider Reggie. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Man, my brother, you just said a mouthful right there. I I called, you know I called because I wanted to tell you about an event that's coming up, but that question just 
kind of put me in a perplexed moment, man. I'm like, okay, what would be successful? You know, if they went eight and four, okay. that would be a successful completion of 12 games. But the problem is they're one and four now, so they, they need to get their butts in gear and ball out. I'm, I'm hoping for the miraculous right now. I, I'm needing a 10 and two out of this one, bro. I, I need them to just become something that they hope to be. You okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because not making the playoffs, that, that would be kind of a back step, right? Yeah. No, it would so, be. I thought they were a playoff team when the season started for sure. And, and if you look at the games that they lost and how they lost them, they are capable. They just don't finish. Right. And and if you got a a fifty percent game plan <laughs> where you come out and play one half, what good is that? You know what I mean? So you you stunned me right there with that question. <laughs> man. I, I was like, I'm sitting here writing it down, and I'm like, man. What would be good? So I'm hoping for the best, man. I'm reaching for the stars. I still believe they could do it. They just got to step up from this break that they had. They got to mm-hmm. step up and start finishing the full game. But uh, What else you got hoping, going on? I was hoping I could sh- let you know about an event and hopefully get my Raider Nation to support us. So the event we – I mean, the initiative we started here on this radio station, you guys helped us get this going. It's called Get Them to the Game. It's basically myself, uh, the Silver and Black Panther, with my nonprofit, which is uh, Salute to Kindness. We are doing the Salute to Kindness Awards Gala in Vallejo, California. It's on November 5th. It's going to start at 5 p.m. And the main thing is I got my guy, E.K. Raider, Eric Kirshner, the first person to step up and help us with this initiative he is receiving an award that night so i'm just hoping that i could get people's attention back on this and start supporting me you know i got folks over there on twitter as well as on facebook and all of that just keep supporting us man we're trying to do this and definitely trying to give back we don't do this just to say we did it we're really trying to give back and i appreciate you giving me an opportunity to talk about it my brother no doubt, no doubt. Thank you so much, and uh, make sure you send that information over, man. I always want to make sure I help out the community, and I want to make sure I help out uh, Raider Nation as well. So uh, I know you did a lot of great things last season, getting a lot of folks to the game. So send that information over to me as well, uh, so we can help you get the get the word out. So uh, good stuff, man. Uh, it's always good to hear from you. Let's go back out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy Fargo Raider. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kieran Lamont. Thank you for taking my call. Huge respect to the Silver and Black Panther Raider Reggie right there. I remember when you started that and, you know, like, that's awesome. I remember growing up and wishing I could go to a game, and I know that he's been able to make that dream come true for a couple families so far, and that's awesome, and that's what the Raider Nation is about. Now, getting to the getting to your sh- to the topic, uh, so we're, I'm in a group chat with a few of the guys, you know, um, that call into the station, mm-hmm. and we've discussed this a few times. What is an acceptable outcome moving here forward? And I think we all came to the agreement that we can't drop any more than three games. Okay. Ten and seven is a minimum that we can expect out of this team and call it a success. P word, no P word, regardless, if you can't get the ten and seven, despite 
all this talent around you, I had to realize that Gru's first year, he only got the, what, like the four games. And then we went to seven and nine, seven and nine, and then we finally broke through. Well, Raider Nation, you've said this many times. We've been patient for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the patient is real, the patient is real thin. We understand all this. Like, we know, we know we have a good roster. We know that the potential of the team is great. Well, we now expect is results because we've we've been hyped for every season. Like I said, for the past twenty years, <laughs> right? Hell, even coming off a of four and two or two and fourteen, <laughs> I was sitting there pounding my chest like this is our year. <laughs> I feel like the day of, uh, like America, like the so-called America team with the cowgirls. That's what they say every year. <laughs> We're the world team. It better be our year. They better get it done. Ten and seven. They can't drop more than three games. I want to see them. Play above the competition, beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and beat the teams nobody ha- expects you to. You can drop a couple, but if they do drop those three games, they better drop them to good teams. And by narrow margins, like we have been, we can't we can't see any more any blowouts, and we can't drop any more than three. That's what I say is an acceptable season, an acceptable result for from where we're at now. They better get it together. Thank you for taking my call. Have a great day. Great stuff, man. Great stuff. My man Fargo Raider said nine and three for the last twelve games. That would make them uh, ten and uh, ten and seven overall. So there you go. Can't drop more than three games. Uh, of course, Raider Reggie said uh, eight and four was good, except for the fact that well, they're one and four right now. So he's really looking at ten and two. Oh, uh, those are high margins right there. I mean, you're looking at twelve games. I'm really, honestly, in in all honesty, I'm looking at seven and five. Eight and six. I think that that's really the realistic range that they can go. But they can get on a run. If they get on a run, then maybe nine and three is possible, right? I didn't think that four in a row was possible last season. And what happened? They went on a run. So I'm just trying to be. I don't want to set myself up for failure. Where I'm like, yeah, I think they can go nine and three. Then all of a sudden I'm looking up and it's like, well, actually they went seven and five, right? So just want to know what you think would be an acceptable season. What do you think it'll take in the final 12 games for you to consider this season a success? Let's take one more call. Eddie in L.A., welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Ten, like the last caller said, I totally agree with uh, Fargo there. 10-7 and seven is the minimum. That okay. is the minimum. If you look at what the, what this team has been in, it's been a, up toward trajecto for a while now, since before Gruden, well, well with Gruden, right? 7-9, mm-hmm. and 8-8, and, and then, eight, uh, and then um, you know, we know the rest. So this team based is 10 and 7. They should be finishing up, in my mind, at least 11 and 11 and 5. Okay. I'm sorry, yeah, 11 and 5. 11 and 6, yeah. Minimum. Okay. Okay, I'm 11 and 6. Yeah, yeah you yep. get the math. But that, that's where I think this can, not only because of the talent, I don't, I understand the uh, uh, the way there's, uh, the season started, it's not ideal, but you do have an opportunity in these next six games coming up to get you in some, some momentum. I understand that, uh, you know, DeMond is a believer in momentum, but it's real. Just watch baseball. That's all I got to say. My Dodgers lost momentum to the damn Padres. But, mm-hmm. yes, we got to get up there. We can do it. This this squad can do it. I think this break came at a great time. Okay. I think we'll see a different team. But it's just like you said, you got they got to prove it first. They got to go out there and show it. So, I think we got it. Raider Nation, baby, stay up. There you go. Great call. Eddie in L.A., appreciate you. Fargo Raider, appreciate you. And, of course, starting us off, Raider Reggie, appreciate you as well. 702-365-9200. Got the text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Hit us up. Let us know what will it take in the final 12 games for you to consider this a successful season. We'll get back to your text. We'll get back to your calls. Plus, you'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. We'll do it next. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Been asking the question, what will it take in the final 12 games for you to consider this a successful season? Had a lot of good answers. Raider Reggie started us off talking about 8-4 and four in the final 12, except for the fact that the Raiders are already 1-4. So he said, I want to up the ante to 10-2. and two. That's a hell of a run, right? Again, I was the guy who didn't believe that they could do that last year, go on that four-game winning streak at the end, and they did. So I'm always the guy that's going to be like, nah, that's not going to happen, right? And I have no problem being wrong. Like, I hope that they prove me wrong. Hell, I hope they go on that 10-2 run. I don't see it, but that's just me. Fargo said 9-3, and three, and, and I think the overall thought is for this team to go 10-7 and seven overall. They got 12 games left to go 10-7. and seven. We got a text at 69187, keyword R&R. 10-7 doesn't get you to the playoffs. Two things with that. One, you're probably right. And honestly, like I said, when I started the whole thing, I don't care about the playoffs at this point, right? I mean, you know, they won 10 games last year. I thought this was no doubt a playoff team going into the year. Now I'm just like, hey, just go win games. Go win games, and at the end of the season, whatever happens, happens. And the only reason I say there's a slight chance that they can make it, I know mathematically, analytically, <laughs> there's still, there's still uh, you know, obviously a chance. But we saw it last year, right? There was teams at the end of last year, it's like, wait, they're still in it? Hell, the Raiders were that team. They're still in it? What do you mean? I thought they got written off about three different times. And instead, it's like, oh, no, they're still in it. So I say that if they end up 10-7 and seven, and somehow, some way, by some act of God, you know, teams lose some games, they might happen to be in it at the end. I, I, I think that you're probably right. 10-7 and seven probably won't get you in, but it could. It got the Raiders in last year. Yeah, not only did it get the Raiders in last year, the Cincinnati Bengals 10-7, and seven, the New England Patriots 10-7, and seven, and the Pittsburgh Steelers 9-7-1. There you go. So I do think that 10-7, and seven, you're definitely going to be— I used to believe when it was 16 games, I used to believe double digits, you're in no matter what, right? You get, you get double digit wins, you're in. Now with the extra game, I think that I feel like you have to win 11, but you just gave us a bunch of great examples of not winning 11 and still make it to the playoffs. So technically, it can get you in, but you know we'll we'll see. I'm again, I'm not even worried about the playoffs to be 100 percent honest. I'm worried about game to game to game to game. If they were to finish the season at 10 and seven, whatever happens, if they earn extra games, fantastic. If they didn't earn extra games, well, then it's time to go into the offseason and worry about the draft, right? I mean, that, that's going to be my approach. I just want to see them go out there and look like a good quality football team that has everything put together. Because right now at one and four, they don't look like that. And maybe like Eddie in L.A. said that the bye came in a good week so they can go back, reevaluate and say, OK, now let's go. Because obviously the first quarter and, and plus one game of the season was a wash. Now they've got 12 games to make it right in their eyes. Not my eyes, but their eyes. they got to go and do what they've got to do. One quick text, and then we'll get to some sound from uh, head coach Josh McDaniels. Trade deadline is uh, November 1st. After that, that'll tell you how the front office feels about the team. Yeah, it could be. I'll tell you, and I was trying to reach out to uh, Courtney Cronin from ESPN who covers the Bears like a glove, trying to get her on to talk Chicago Bears today, but she has to pick up her mom from uh, O'Hara Airport, so she wasn't able to. I said, yeah, I think picking up moms from the airport is a little bit more important than hopping on the radio show for a few minutes. We'll go ahead and give you a pass. But, you know, there's a report that there's guys in, in Chicago that are on the trade block. You know, Robert Quinn is one of them. I think he's fantastic. Roquan Smith is another one. I don't know about you, Raider Nation. Not trying to disrespect anybody in that Raider locker room. I would sign up for the Raiders to make a trade for Roquan Smith every day of the week and twice on Sunday. He's that good.
He is that good. I would love for the Raiders to finally go get, and this is no disrespect to uh, Denzel Perriman or anyone else in the locker room, go get a real deal, sideline to sideline, badass linebacker. It's been a while since they've had just that Billy badass at that linebacker position. You know, and I have no problem saying that. We know that Denzel Perryman is very good, but we also know he's in the last year of his deal. Don't know if he's going to come back. Don't know if they're going to resign him. Don't know what the case is going to be. Would love to see them. And I've been pounding the table for this for a while, you know, for them to go and draft a linebacker high. Go get one, man. When's the last time you had your homegrown linebacker? And I know Roquan Smith wouldn't be homegrown, but, man, he's still a youngster. Would love to see them go and make a move for a dude like that. That would be fantastic. But I don't know how realistic that is. That's why I wanted to have Courtney on to talk about. Maybe we'll get her on before the, sh- the, before the week is over, obviously before the November 1st trade deadline. Now, earlier today, head coach Josh McDaniels, he met with the media. We were there at the Intermountain Health Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, and he started off with his opening statement. It was all about Houston and how it's good to have the team back at the facility and, and ready to practice and, as I said, get ready for Houston. So uh, getting ready for Houston, um, you know, obviously this is a, a team that I would say our team doesn't know very well, um, you know, and in looking at them, uh, Lovey does such a great job of, you know, they're, they're very consistent from one year to the next. I've coached against him and his teams many times. Um, you know, they, they have a very straightforward style. Uh, they're going to play no-nonsense football. They're tough. They're physical. Um, they take care of the ball on offense. They create turnovers on defense. They're very good in the kicking game. It's one of the best uh, teams uh, that, we'll, that we'll play uh, in terms of our the challenge in the special teams area. So um, this is going to be an important three days for us to really get familiar with the style that they use, which is different than what we've seen so far, uh, especially on defense. Um, got some really good players, uh, young players offensively, Pierce, Mills, Collins. Uh, of course, we know Cooks. Um, but they, you know, I got a number of players that can make big plays on offense. Two really good returners that are tough to tackle. Um, you know, one in the kickoff return area, the other one in the in the punt return, and then defensively, um, you know, this is a team that creates a lot of negative plays in the running game. Uh, can turn the ball over. Got a lot of pass breakups. One of the leading teams in the league in terms of getting their hands on balls in the secondary. Um, you know, and again, some of that comes with the pressure that they get on the quarterback and the ball's thrown too early. So. Um, it's a you know team coming off of a victory against Jacksonville where they really did a good job of closing that game out. Uh, they've been in a lot of close games like we have, um, so this will be a big a big challenge this week. Texans are one three and one on the season. Obviously, the Raiders are one and four. So Houston, uh, as I said before, we talked to Landry Locker is a team that plays tough. They're not winning games, and there's no moral victories. But Lovey Smith has them playing tough and, and actually going out there competing and making teams beat them. And I know there's multiple games that uh, has come down to the wire that they've, you know, they've actually forced teams to really work their tail off to defeat them. Now, when we talked to Landry Locker, it sounded like they were a shell of themselves and they weren't a very good team at all. Uh, he didn't give them much of a chance to win this game. So, you know, I guess it's who you're listening to. Uh, we'll see what team arrives at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. But uh, the Raiders have to treat each and every game and each and every team like they're, you know, they're going to give them their A game every single time, and they've got to do exactly that as well, turn it around and give them their A game. Now, one other question that was asked to head coach Josh McDaniels about Houston in particular was the question I asked about Derek Stingley. He was a guy that was drafted very high, and he talks about Stingley, but he also brings up Jalen Petrie, who was a second-round draft pick out of Baylor and really just kind of emphasizes the young secondary. He, he and Petrie both, uh, the safety, I mean, 
Um, you know, these guys were two guys that weren't, it wasn't surprising that they were drafted where they were, um, you know, in April and, um, you know, Stingley's very sticky in coverage, got really good transition ability, good ball skills. Um, you know, he's, he's really learning how to, you know, do it at our level now. And, um, you know, as a guy, you're going to have to be aware of in coverage, where he's at, what he's doing. Um, you know, and so, like I said, same thing with the young safety, he's made a lot of plays and, um, their entire secondary, like I said, there's very few teams that get their hands on more balls than this team does. So um, big challenge for us. Those two guys will be part of it. Now, I'm very interested in Stingley because uh, he's a guy that I anticipate seeing matched up with Devontae Adams multiple times, similar to what we saw when Denver came to Allegiant Stadium and Pat Sertan was on uh, Devontae Adams. And Pat did a great job. I think that Pat Sertan did a fantastic job. Uh, on on Devontae Adams and Devontae actually gave him a lot of props after the game as well said that he likes him you know he's a tough young corner he's going to be a a, a tough one for some years to come Stingley is really good Stingley was great when he was a rookie or when he was a freshman I'm sorry at LSU he was really good I think that he's going to be I thought coming out of the draft I thought Sauce Gardner was the better DB I thought he was the best DB in the draft but I thought Stingley was right behind him and I know he went one pick before Sauce Gardner did And I think that worked out great for both teams, right? I think that Stingley's doing fantastic in Houston and Sauce Gardner's doing great in New York. And I think that New York, that vibe, probably fits him a little bit better than it would with Stingley. Yeah, the cheesehead situation. But I do think for Stingley, Mm -hmm. another thing that Landry was talking about when he's talking about this Texans team, and we're kind of like, man, he's really poo-pooing on them. Mm -hmm. They haven't played anybody good, to be honest. I know that you got you can only play who's on the schedule, but for Stingley Jr., I do think that this may be the game. If he's matched up with Devontae Adams, you know, if he's following them around on the field, this may be the hey rook, welcome to the league game. Right. Because he hasn't played a top tier NFL, like yeah, no. NFL wide receiver yet. Right, exactly. And so he's gotta, like you said, have that welcome to the league moment. And Devontae Adams definitely could be the guy to provide that, right? So uh, that should be fun just to watch that matchup to see how much he's actually uh going up against Devontae Adams. Again, you're listening to Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio. Radio 920. We're uh, going through some of Josh McDaniel's sound from earlier today when he met with the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. And another question that was asked to him was about the team, about the Raiders in general. And it was just about the first five games. One of the things that he said to us when they were entering their bye week that Tuesday following that that loss to the Chiefs is that they got to identify three different things. And it's so funny, DeMond. I don't know if you noticed that, but that conversation really took off. Like, we had that conversation on the radio, had it on the podcast, and that damn thing took off. Like, I don't know how many days it was in a row, but I swear every time I turned the radio on, people were talking about those three things that head coach Josh McDaniels was talking about. So I kind of like to give us a tip of the cap that we did some, you know, we did okay work. We did okay work. We sparked a conversation that went pretty long. And the three things are what do they do really, really well that they obviously have to keep doing? What do they do? And they don't really do it that great, but they have to keep working on it and get better at it. And what don't they do very well that they just need to scrap and say, the hell with that. We don't do that very well. That was the conversation that we had way back when Hickos Josh McDaniels talked to us following that Chiefs loss. Well, Vinny asked him today, were you able to get that self-assessment of those first five games? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's there's a lot of things you can do better, um, you know, and I think we've 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 talked about some of those in the in the past, but um, you know, certainly trying to cut down and limit our, our penalties offensively, you know, which have put us in a lot of long yarded situations, um, you know, more third and longs than you really ever want to be in, you know, to start a season. So, 
um, making smart decisions, uh, playing with great technique and focus, you know, to try to limit the, the amount of times you're hurting yourself offensively, I think is something we've talked about. We've talked about it, you know, for the first five games too. So hopefully we can make some progress there. Um, you know, our ability to, to play better in the red zone on both sides of the ball is obviously something that's going to be of importance to us as we move forward. Um, and we're going to, you know, try to address that each day in practice, um, you know, and then try to get something going in our return game. You know, I think, you know, among many things, those are three areas we've really kind of focused on and talked about. And uh, I think those are easy to see. You know, we don't rank, you know, super high in the league in those categories. So um, areas we can certainly make progress in. There you go, head coach Josh McDaniels talking about some areas that they need to improve on. Of course, he's not going to say, hey, this is what we do great. We're going to keep on doing it because we do it so well. I mean, you know, those are the obvious. And again, uh, I think that when we had that conversation last week, the majority of us, if not all of us, said they run the ball really well. They do. And I think that that's the obvious, <laughs> right? I mean, they just they they found the, the their identity, in my opinion, that they run the ball really well. The one thing JT pointed out yesterday when we were doing the Raider Roundtable so it's all fine and dandy to run the rock. You know, it, it is. It's great. That's your identity. Cool. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. The only problem is if you run that rock and then you settle for three and not get seven, that all of a sudden could come back to bite you later on. Because now you've had a drive where you've sucked off a lot of the time, right? All of a sudden the time is, is gone and you only got three points out of it. So that could put you in a bind. So, you know, as much as, yeah, that's the identity of the team, they've got to find a way. And this is not me trying to bag on the offense. Just they've got to find a way to get more sevens than threes. I mean, it's just that simple. If you're going to be that running team, like it looks like the Raiders are going to be. Just got a couple more sounds uh, from head coach Josh McDaniels. And one is the impact of Nate Hobbs. He was uh, put on IR just the other day. We found out about that. I think that that was a big blow to the team. I think we found out on Monday about that. He's going to be out for at least four weeks. So here's head coach Josh McDaniels talking about Hobbs going to IR. Yeah, he's uh, one of our best players, you know, and, uh, you know, a guy that's plays a lot of positions, moves around a lot, uh, very competitive in coverage, good blitzer, good tackler, um, brings an element of physicality, um, you know, on every play, um, you know, and so, uh, but it's it's like the other things we've dealt with this year, you know, every team does it, uh, we're not unique, um, nobody feels sorry for us, we don't want that, um, we got other guys that are ready to step in and um, you know, I don't know that they'll duplicate his role, but, you know, they'll share the burden. Um, so I uh, look forward to, to seeing our guys do that. Uh, Anthony will be back on the practice field today, which is good, uh, along with DJ Turner. So, uh, you know, it seems like one one leaves and, you know, one comes back. So, um, you know, you're, you're hopeful that you can, you know, obviously make up for it with other people, which we will, um, and hopefully look forward to getting Nate back. Good timing right there. Nate Hobbs goes to IR. Anthony Averett, who was on IR, is back at practice today. That was good. You also heard him talk about DJ Turner coming back to practice. That would be big for the return game if he can come back, I think. I think that's something that they need. They need a little bit of shot of adrenaline to get that return game going. And uh, the one guy who wasn't there at practice today was uh, tight end Darren Waller. Uh, My gut feeling on Wednesday is that he probably isn't going to play on Sunday, but that's just my gut feeling. You know, there's obviously no answer to that yet. He was a non-participant today in practice. So we'll see as the week goes on if he is. We'll find out the injury report each and every day, Thursday, Friday, and then we'll find out on Sunday if he's in or if he isn't. Final soundbite is a quick one from head coach Josh McDaniels. And I'm so glad that Vinny asked this question because this is something that people ask us on Twitter all the time. People have called in and asked all the time, and I don't have an answer for it. And every time I say, oh, I'll ask next time we talk to him, I always forget. And so that's my fault for forgetting. But Vinny, well, I don't know what made him think of it, but all of a sudden he asked about 
the C's on the jersey, the captain C's. Why are there no captain C's on the jersey this season? It's we're in the process of working through that. It's it has nothing to do nothing. They're all captains, hundred percent. They're all captains. So it's just a it's a it's a thing with us in the league trying to get a color, and you know it's kind of above my head right now. So <laughs> leave it at that. There it is, short and sweet. It's a league thing. It's a color thing. It's a jersey type thing. They just haven't got it worked out. I don't know when it's going to get worked out. You're already in week seven. I don't know when it's going to work out. I can tell you one thing as being the flagship station for the Raiders, like every time, even when we have our logo, anything that we create has to be approved by the NFL first. Everything. Because it has to be a certain, like it might look like the right color, but it not necessarily the right color. Like every single thing that we do has to be approved. So I can understand what he's talking about. And that does get very tedious and kind of annoying, to be honest. And again, like he said, it's uh, over his head. It's just something that you can't do because the NFL is so damn particular about every single thing they do. It's kind of like what Jalen Ramsey said the other day. They care about the socks. They worry about the socks. What color your socks are? What color your shoes are? Everything has to fit a certain uniform when it comes to the NFL. 3.57 is the time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.